0: Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground podcast. This is episode thirty-six, home for the holidays. The importance of place. We are broadcasting live. Well, live from us, from the place of the power of change worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm here with my friend and co-host Jesse Fury. Hey, Reed, how you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm doing well, yeah. man. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little sad. Our football team at Blacksburg High School, we uh, lost in the state semifinals on Saturday. I was gonna ask, yeah. state semis. I was a little bit bummed, man. I, 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 I'm not stupid, stupidstitious about sports, um, but it, I also believe in sports psychology, so my plan was, we did the parenting conference together yep. on Saturday at our church, which was wonderful, and I knew I was gonna miss the first half, and so my game plan was, I'm gonna listen to the first half, if we're killing them, I'm just gonna sit in my car the rest of the game and not mess up the mojo on the sideline. And if we were losing, I was going to have to run out on the field and headbutt some people. And we were losing pretty, pretty uh, significantly, like 14-6, 14-3, something like that. And so ran out, and we had this mega comeback. It was great. And then we lost in double overtime or something. And oh, it was, in overtime. Yeah. So did you headbutt anybody? Um, No, I, I'm a little jumpy on the sidelines. I'm not uh, subdued, let's yeah. say. I move around a lot. I'm the pushback guy as well, so keep guys behind the line. So I have to go up and down, up and down on the sidelines. And... It might get pretty hype. I like to jump on people and You yell. would make a great pushback guy. <laughs> and I'm loud. Over the years, I think, developing you know, and speaking and such, um, you get a loud voice. You mm. can yell at referees really well, but you got to be careful with that gift because it'll get you in trouble.
1: Nice. So that was on Saturday. I like the way you said that. We did the parenting conference together. Yes, we were both I was together. a participant. You were leading the conference, and it was an excellent
0: parenting yeah. conference. Great questions you guys had and really really fun that's right mean, i contributed a question you did yes. you did and you yeah. you and your wife had the most fancy coffee apparatus like your, <laughs> your portable french press machine, Listen, when you, machine or something uh, you i'm <laughs> one of the pastors there
1: and i'm still disappointed with us that there was no coffee you don't uh, you don't, uh, you don't yeah, do like a, yeah, a morning conference with no, no coffee. coffee yeah yeah so i got my own french press and made it
0: and you yeah. did like a boss you and jenny up front it was yeah. great um it's fun because like you guys are similar to our age, but like your oldest is how how oh, old? oldest turns nine, nine tomorrow. So like Kayla's seventeen. So it's like it's really fun because it's not so far removed from our kids being zero to nine, but at the same time we're like past that, and yeah, so most of the time glad until you get sad and you 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 miss your little little babies. You know? We thought we were past the the, the newborns until we <laughs>
1: until we had one until you conceived. Yes. Now. Well, she kept, was, Yeah, she kept me up all night last night. Your but baby. Baby, yeah. Okay. She turns one tomorrow. I got that wrong. My, I thought you were my, talking
0: about Jenny. I was like, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, no, my baby. Uh, she turns one tomorrow. Wow. My oldest turns nine the next day. Wow. So yeah. bam, bam. A lot of, a lot of birthdays. Lot this of birthday. Birthday. Happy birthday, Fury family. Yep. I don't want to leave my daughter out. My daughter turns eight the next day. Three birthdays in three days. My goodness. (laughs) Yeah. That's
0: a a lot of work for grandparents. It's a lot of work.
1: Yeah. 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 Yep. So, uh, Reed, I got an in or out segment for us. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh,
1: We haven't done this in a little while. No, we haven't. We We haven't done this in a while, and so I wanted to go in or out with you. Uh, Well, here, So, just a, a reminder for listeners, the way this works, I will throw something Reed's way, and then he has a choice if he can go in or out on talking about... The thing that I throw your way, all right, so uh, read
0: in or out <laughs> gluten free diets um, i will I will go in on that and comment on that. I feel like gr- gluten free diets for those who have a physiological allergy uh, to gluten are is necessary and helpful and should not be made fun of. Good, good. So you're you've got celiac or yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you actually have some the protein or whatever you have a problem with it, and your doctor says it's messing you up. Now, what about what about <laughs> if you don't have that a, a problem? Well, you know, there there might be some science and pseudoscience mixed in some of this stuff, and if some people feel like it makes them feel better, or they don't get. Headaches, or they feel like champs, or something, because they don't eat bread or gluten. Yeah, you know, I have no problem with that either. I think though, if people get aggressive, like they they say that everyone uh-huh. should eat pizza or something, then I kind of get annoyed and want to kind of go in on them, and maybe like then the, I might want to mock gluten free.
1: So gluten free is fine, but don't tell Reed he can't eat bread. Yeah, or
0: we get religious about it. What about, do you think about the unwitch? The Unwitch, I don't know. I haven't seen that. I've seen gluten free brownies. Jimmy okay. John's. It's just okay. wrapped in lettuce. We'll just call it a ball of meat or something, <laughs> man. It's like ball of meat and lettuce. Yes, yeah, like an Unwitch. or pizza that's gluten free. Anyone who thinks that's actually good, I just I don't know. You're yeah. gonna lose credibility with me. Yeah.
1: If you have to make, well, and again, I'm with you. If you've got a, if you've got an issue where you've got to use cauliflower to make your flour. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. But if you're doing it because. You
0: think it tastes good? Or you think you're better than other people? Yeah. <laughs> but I have no problem with it if it's okay. if it's done for uh, health reasons or your own personal beliefs about it. It's like essential oils. If somebody thinks essential oils are great for you, then they want to put peppermint behind their ear, I have no problem with that. If they want to start claiming it does things like magic tricks and that I should do it, then I like I just got jokes or something coming. Uh,
1: okay. You didn't ask me. I didn't <laughs> ask you about essential oils. We'll save that for another day. All right, I got another one.
0: Aquaman okay. Are you going to see it? I I think I'm going to see Aquaman in a theater and perhaps in the biggest screen and audio experience I can actually. Um, yeah, that's I'm, I'm a little shocked bring, to say that. You bringing kids with you? I I'll have to do the IMDb yeah. and the parents guide, see if there's what what not in it, but most likely my children uh will be there. Um I've seen some of the trailers. The the visuals look amazing to me. Yeah. It just lo- looks different worldly. They did it well. Doesn't look like the guy that had the underoos on when I was a kid in the <laughs> comics in the T V show, the Super <laughs> Friends or whatever. Um obviously the actor is a beast and so yes. yeah. Uh I'm gonna see that and I'm s- surprised I'm gonna see that, but I'm stoked about Aquaman.
1: So In or Out, Marvel universe
0: is better than D C. Oh gosh. I, this is a matter of like here I stand. I can do no other. It's Like, of course, DC is ridiculous as a comic book universe. Uh, it's embarrassing whenever your 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 suffix is either man or woman, and that's how you make your main <laughs> superhero. Character. What are you, the Batman, the Superman, the Wonder Woman? Come on, man! Like, you, you can't compare that to Wolverine, right? Or Cyclops? Or come oh, on, yeah, I don't. Great. You know, the the only time Marvel um got weak in my in my view, on naming people is like Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel. But yeah. the Miss Marvel trailer looking really good with uh, Brie, whatever her name is. It's uh, I don't like DC, but I, I'm going to be super stoked about it. Wonder Woman, best DC movie. Great. In okay. In, in, or, in or out? <laughs> no, you getting. No, I didn't know I was getting that. I, uh, but I'm glad I did. Okay. In or I, out? I have a collection of Marvel comic <laughs> books in my in my attic with plastic bags around them. I was way into the comic books as a kid. Yeah. All right. In or out? Uh, is Die Hard the best
1: Christmas movie
0: (laughs) no of course not it's not the best Christmas movie Uh, do you think it is I think it might be oh my goodness um I now I have no problem with people thinking Die Hard is a Christmas movie cuz there's a Christmas party involved. Um just like, you know, what is that song by um didn't Wham have a Christmas song? So Wham can have a I don't know. I don't, Christmas know. I don't know. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that if they could sing that stuff or what was Wham's song? Yeah, Die Hard is a I good movie. I don't know Wham songs, um, but I did. So I what a, is the best Christmas movie? You know, I'm going to uh, give a hat tip to my mother. Um get emotional for a moment. Um I've never seen Miracle on 34th Street. I've been told I should, so I can't comment on that movie. Um, but I'm going to go with It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Because it was my mom's movie, became my movie. And when I was a little kid, uh, there's a phrase at the end where it basically says, every time a bell ring, w- rings, an angel gets its wings. And I could mimic that almost perfectly, that little tiny girl saying that. So, Would you be willing to do that right now? Every time. <laughs> rings and angel gets its wings i used to say that all the time my voice is a little too deep now to go with. <laughs> that was rem-
1: that was remarkably good i should be embarrassed i think that. that we should find that audio clip and put it <laughs> next to it and see how it in, lines in post-production, up post-production post-production yeah, show
0: how far i've fallen from i my, think uh,
1: i i think i'm i'm with you i think die hard is a christmas movie or at least a fun christmas and movie. if you want it to be it can be anything yeah. can be called christmas today with that right yeah, that's very postmodern of us, isn't yeah. it? I, I, didn't Bruce Willis say
0: at some point it's not a Christmas movie? Yeah. We, we don't care, though. Yeah, because he, he took he, over Nakatomi Plaza and took it back from whatever, Hans Gruber. That's right. That's right. Well, well, thank you for that. I, I think I agree gonna with you. I'm going to say something. I, I don't know. I have a guy in Acts 29 process right now whose name is Hans Gugger. And I was like, did you get that? Are you the villain from Are you, Die Hard? Did you get that constantly growing up? He goes, I don't know, but Acts 29 guys keep asking me that. <laughs> What's up, Hans? All right. Well, um, today, our main topic, Jesse, you're going to be leading us. We're, we're heading to the importance of place or geography or or ness let's say. And we're coming out of a, a little transition of podcasts where we looked at the borderlands between the church and culture. And, and on culture in general, we had a great discussion. And then we moved to a look at Internet culture, cyber culture, which is certainly a part of our now Uh, And last week, political culture, these things that dominate our sense of uh, today. Um, And this episode, you're going to take us into some geographical awareness of uh, why place and people in place are, are important. I've been looking forward to this. That's right. That's right. We're calling this one Home for
1: the Holidays, the Importance of Place. You know, this Advent season or Advent season in general is a season of... Of hope, right, I mean, this is uh i didn't I grew up in kind of in the Roman Catholic Church, and so we were really into these seasons of of the church and, and in liturgical year liturgical calendar. year that's right and and we've just started the advent season, and uh Advent is this is this season of hope, really in the midst of uh, what I consider to be miserable coldness. I don't like the winter all that much and and, and in fact, I'm not alone right I mean. Winter can be pretty depressing. But right in the midst of this, we have this season of hope. And, uh, and, and a lot has been written and said about w- the Advent season being the season in which we're looking forward to the arrival of uh, God in the flesh, uh, This what, what Christian theologians would call the incarnation. And a lot's been written about that regarding uh, the importance of God becoming man, right? Taking on flesh and blood, hum- human, mm-hmm. a flesh and blood body. Uh, but not as much has been said about the implications of God coming into our actual physical place. Right. right. He's come into the world, this world that can be cruel and terrible at times. And the Advent season reminds us that God sent his son uh, not just in our place as a substitution or representative, but into our place where we live, where we make our homes. Uh, and I think there are some major implications for our everyday life that aren't just Advent season implications that I wanted to talk about today. And
0: I think with thousands of years of uh, tradition in in certain civilizations now like ours, which has assumed kind of a feast um, around, uh, you know, the winter solstice, Christmas time, the feast of the Christ child, celebrating the incarnation. I think we can even get a little too comfortable with it and forget the shocking it's yeah. shocking. talk right. to our Muslim friends about God coming into our place and taking yeah. up human, humanity, or even the ancient Greco-Roman world, some of their distance <laughs> ideas of God, there's some good thing out there lurking, but that uh, ray of hope, weary world, that goodness becoming a person. That's right. It's, yeah. it's kind of shocking, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about, is that is that God has has come into our actual Geography. He's come into our place. Mm. Um, you know, before we dive in to talk about that in, in, in more depth, I'd love to ask you some questions, Reed. Uh, what are some of your favorite holiday traditions?
0: You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one for me because my holiday traditions as a child, where I do think a lot of traditions get formed. Uh, were shaped with kind of more of the secular kind of Christmas time narrative in, in America. Um, and you treasure that, like getting a new bike or celebrating S- uh, Sa- Satan Claus and um, doing the whole... I think you said that wrong. wrong. Was that? Oh. oh did I? <laughs> um, yeah, I did that on purpose. Um, Santa Claus, you know, hey, let's go to see Santa. Let's get something on the, the tree. And... My parents did an awesome job at, you know, putting the unwrapped... We did unwrapped presents from Santa. They weren't wrapped. That's why our family did it's all the stuff. You come out and see it. Um, it was awesome. So those traditions I really treasured, and even though I didn't do those with my family. Um, but it was more more about um, getting things, I guess. And uh, I'll never forget my first disappointment with Christmas was, uh, you know, we started this thing that, we, that my family has continued. We're opening one present on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, and it got to where our family, we did them all on Christmas Eve after that. Now, Casey and I, she doesn't like that. We just do one. But uh, my uncle, I had an uncle named Uncle Bill... Uh, he gave me some, and it was one of those things where I was like maybe 10 years old, not quite cool enough to listen to music on a record player. But I remember opening my one gift that I was going to open on Christmas Eve, and it was like a you now hipsters would love this because it was like a vinyl record, right? And it was from the Doobie Brothers, right? And like, what a fool, believe. I, I didn't know about the Doobie Brothers at the time, so I just opened it and I cried because I was like, what do I do with the Doobie Brothers? Um, and of course, later on in life, it became more funny because it's about you know the Doobie Brothers yeah. and uh, some of their music. You now I I could, can listen to it. Yeah, Come but, around on the yeah, Doobie Brothers. Yeah, So that was as a kid, and uh, I think today um, my favorite tradition is is I write Christmas letters to my kids, and uh, I sit sit them in my lap. Even my my grown looking kids now still sit in my lap Christmas morning. Uh, I usually write them Christmas Eve, one page. Uh, there's a whole episode of our podcast, episode ten, Christmas tradition. You can listen to this uh, from last year. But I, I just write these letters to my kids to affirm them, call them into their faith, call them into their life, love them, tell them I think they're awesome. I'm proud of them. Um, and it's always emotional, and it's just a it's a blessing. It's a, it kind of marks our Christmas, and I hope. And it's weird because I'm like, yeah, I hope I every year they're awesome, and I and that's really not the point though. It's yeah. uh, my kids always think they're awesome because they're from me. And I, and I think it's awesome because I have the privilege of being a father, even though, you know, if I would grade out some of those letters, some are better, better some years than others.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, we do where I was growing up. We also did the Christmas Eve gift oh, yeah, and you get yeah. to unwrap one. We've carried that tradition on. Love it. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about the holidays is we make these traditions and, you know, in a way what we're doing is we're trying to make. Uh, we're making our physical environment into a place where we belong it, we're making trying to really make sense of of our place as a family and as a home and and uh and these kind of these kind of holiday habits turn into rituals that that really mm, yeah uh, make you feel like you belong here yeah. this is a
0: place for me yeah and uh foods at holidays do that too i you know i'm going to my mother's here Christmas this year and looking forward to eating, eating certain things so I can feel like a kid and happy, you know, kind of.
1: Yeah. Are there any like particular Christmas foods? <laughs> They're
0: not Christmas foods, but I can tell you what we, what I'm going to ask her to make. Yeah. yeah. So she makes a shrimp casserole. that's pretty amazing that I love to eat around Christmas time because usually I'm with my mom. Yeah. Around the holidays. So, yeah. Yeah. That's banana good. Banana bread. She makes a really good banana bread. It tastes like cake. Mm. <laughs> yes. What about good. you? You, got, you Yeah. So, meals or, well, you roast know, roast beast. <laughs>
1: It's funny. We it, there are particular foods that remind me of particular holidays. You know, like my uh, obviously turkey and Thanksgiving is a is a clear one. But uh, growing up, my nana every year for Easter would make these amazing uh, chocolate covered peanut butter wow. like candies. Wow! Oh man! I mean, you know, I would just. As I grew older, so I would like, take these what, yeah, yeah, I would take as many as I could, freeze them, and just you know every day for a while I'd eat one uh Christmas, we would do Christmas cookies that my mom we would sit down and we'd make these Christmas cookies from scratch and decorate, decorate them, them. Yeah. so we've transferred that down, so our kids look forward to that and um and you know these foods they they they're they kind of oh, even now, if you kind of you smell a certain scent or you see a certain food, they can remind you of home and they and they in some ways, they work something in us that makes us feel like, "Oh, I, this is there's something I'm longing for that this is connected to." Yeah, um, both,
0: both in the soul and, and in the brain too. You yeah, know? like I'm sure these memories get lasered into us yeah. because we smell it and taste it and have this good experience of it that I, I bet we just can't forget. That's right. I like that lasered into us.
1: You know, uh, so when we think about God coming into our place, as far as the importance of place and home. Uh, this is it's not something that's unique to uh, to even necessarily the Christian worldview. Philosophers from Karl Marx to uh, Martin Heidegger, very different philosophers, Soren Kierkegaard, really all all across the board, you can find philosophers, social scientists identifying the concept of alienation mm. being a key ill of mankind. Right, the sense in which we are estranged from. Uh, from where we belong, and you know, some 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 philosophers have seen this uh, maybe more in terms of our inner self. So, right. someone like um, like Kierkegaard might think think about this more in terms of like uh, the the society that surrounds me is forcing me into conformity, and so as right. as I conform, I get fragmented internally, and there's this kind of internal alienation that leaves leads to despair or uh you know an existential crisis of the soul uh Karl marx you know obviously would be would be different as far as seeing say capitalism as estranging us from the material world or yeah well the, really even like from our neighbors so when yeah, i go to work I'm, yeah. I'm just like a worker i'm not connected to my neighbor worker God creator not a comrade yeah not connected to the thing that i'm creating and so on um, and really there, there, there are there, it's almost a universe, it's pretty universal that there's an there's something in us that longs for home for belonging uh, that that we don't we don't quite have it uh, and, and and philosophers have a lot of solutions to offer right um, but there's a solution that the that the scriptures the Christian scriptures offer to this. Uh, that I think can re-enchant our place for us. You know, we rarely face this problem of alienation head-on. Um, we 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 tend to—I think this is why we move around all the time. And and now, moving around can be fine.
0: Right. And by moving around, do you mean like uh, live in this place for a year, live in this place two years? Live that's in this right. Place? Yeah.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, there's some interesting statistics. Some of that's economically driven. Some that's of that's right. choice driven. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah there's—in— in, uh, previous generations moved around quite a bit, but they moved to chase jobs, and uh, the younger generations now. I don't like using the the names.
0: <laughs> the, we just had a pre-show discussion <laughs> about using marketing demographer terms like millennials, the millennials, X-ers, boomers, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, we don't know what the yeah. yeah. There's like three names for the, the younger newest, folk yeah. and the older
0: folk is always up or down from us, right? Yeah, yeah. people
1: who are younger than me. Yeah, uh, they tend to. The statistics are showing, studies are showing that they tend to move, they tend to do what, what, what's called um, say vacation moves. So we'll move to Brooklyn for a year or two. And then, but the idea is, is I'm not going to end up in Brooklyn because I can't afford, you know, the rent there. And these are,
0: these are privileged people who, are, who can do this typically, right? That's it's right. Not like That's these right. are folks that can. Right?
1: That's right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and often though, what's happening is we're we're trying to solve a deep-set alienation from, from a place, from home, with, uh, with things that really can't quite solve them. Um, and and, and this, is, this often drives this. Like con-
0: wine bars and vape shops and custom coffee shops. That's And right. hipster neighborhoods That's and gentrification. Right.
1: I mean, you could even get into, um, which I'll get into later, uh, home renovations, uh, which yeah. I'm, I've done a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. of home renovations
0: whole media conglomerations uh, around home renovations, whole television networks.
1: But I can't renovate my home enough to where I I finally feel firmly and finally at home. Right, right. Uh, And and this is why we have this competing impulse. You need some Chip and Joanna Gaines (laughs) coming to your house. (laughs) This is why humanity has competing impulses to make a home wherever we are, which is why, you know, when, when, uh, oh, okay, let me, let me finish this. Make a home wherever we are, but also
0: always be looking for a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Like have both of those kind of feelings. Yeah. yeah. Like
1: when I, when I camp, which isn't that often, I like to turn my tent into like a little temporary home, right? You know, you, you set up your bed, you got your pillow, you got, got your, your sleeping bag,
0: you got your, Uh, Phone chargers. You got your your phone charger. (laughs) Sorry, that's that's terrible. That's what I do when I first go into a hotel.
1: Yeah, you got your. uh, You know, same with hotels. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you you kind of try to settle into things that make you feel most at home. You sleep on the same side of the bed, even if you've got more room than usual, Um, and and that's because we have this thing inside of us that compels us to to take the place we're in and turn it into a home where we belong. Yeah, and yet at the same time, we we have this deep longing for something that, that we can't quite get. You know, one, one example that I think illustrates this well is the movie Castaway.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Which, so, you, you know, in the movie Chuck, the main <laughs> character, Tom Hanks. <laughs> the FedEx guy. The FedEx, yeah, guy. He, you know, his plane crashes and he ends up on, a, on an island, a deserted island. He's all alone. Uh, and yet he has to make it into a home, right? He doesn't just kind of wander around and sleep wherever. And it makes sense when you're watching. Yeah, when he like... makes, when, and then he makes a, he makes a community, because yeah. he, yeah. you know, so. he cuts his hand and slaps a volleyball. Or that's something. right. He makes Wilson. <laughs> as a matter of fact, you know when you can make a movie where the the saddest part of the entire movie is losing a volleyball.
0: Oh yeah. Tom I mean, Hanks is brilliant in that movie. Isn't brilliant, he? brilliant. Yeah.
1: And, and but you but as you're watching, you get it because you're yeah. like, yeah, you gotta have.
0: He's trying to hold on to everything. Yeah. he's Lost absolutely. But right. at the
1: same time, his eyes are always lifted up to look for a better place. You yeah. know, essentially to make it back home. Yeah, that's good. And so we've got this kind of competing desire and, and, uh, and what we're seeing now is, uh, millennials, the younger ones, (laughs) the younger ones (laughs) are moving at a lower rate than previous generations. Uh, in 2016, only 20% of millennials moved compared to 26% of Gen X and 27% of baby boomers at the same ages. Uh, okay. uh, which is interesting. Yeah, it it's, it's especially interesting because millennials are delaying marriage and home ownership much later. But what, what, what's happening is instead of moving around a lot, a lot of times they're moving back home, which is uh, an economic thing for the most part.
0: Yeah, some of this might be like the the mobility capability post 2008 is maybe more difficult
1: yeah well what 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 they're trying to make sense of is they're 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 more capable of being mobile because they don't have families at, at a young age right. marrying
0: later children later. that's right
1: but they are less capable financially and uh but i think there's actually maybe another b- below the surface explanation as well a longing yeah, longing to be home, right? So I have a place. The way I think about home is that home is like a magnet where you've got the the competing or, or the twin poles of a magnet where it's both irresistibly attractive and sometimes really repulsive where you kind of bounce <laughs> <laughs> to where like even home for the home. Yeah. <laughs> even for for yeah. um, you know, someone who's living at home and complaining about living at home but really can't leave home. There's there's this tension at work where um where it's like I want to belong here I want to have a place but at the same time uh I want something better than this
0: being being back in Blacksburg I've uh, and being cl- close up with people who maybe have more than one generation here in this small college yeah. town I've heard this like there's kids whose families are here they've been here um, some of them want to go to Virginia Tech. Some of them think it's like 13th grade, but they love this little place. But a lot of them are like, I got to get out of here. Got to
1: get out of here. And yet a lot of them end up back here later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and what the what the Christian scriptures, how they help make sense of this is that it points back to the beginning of history, where uh, when you think about creation, the creation story in the Bible, the creation story in the Bible is unique because God comes down into it. Well, first, obviously, God, God speaks. Right. So there's this speech act where uh, out of nothing, God's speaking and things are happening.
0: Yeah. 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 Perlocutionary or illocutionary speech act. That's a philosophy joke. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, But then the unique
1: thing is that God comes down into the place and he he makes a garden. He makes a a physical location, a home, and then he takes uh, from the ground this, you know, uh, from the dust we come, you know, from dust to dust, and he takes the dust and he forms mankind. And uh, even to where the Hebrew word, there's a word play that's at work in the beginning in, in Genesis of uh, Adam. Adam is from the Hebrew word Adama, meaning the earth. Mm. And so there's a connection with the place that we're, we're, from the beginning, we're placed. We're placed in a home, and that home was uh, was God's space. It was where God uh, what God made for, us and where God was.
0: In both the original and the more recent Battlestar Galactica sci-fi epic, the commander who leads these people to try to find a home is is Commander Adama. I didn't hey, know that. Look at about, that. Yeah, yeah, All right. How about that. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, that's good. A little BSG. Um,
1: that's that's just like uh, Star Trek, right? No, no I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm I'm uh, kidding. I'm not going to make <laughs>
0: religious comments between Star Trek and BSG. But the the most recent Battlestar Galactica was was uh pretty interesting, uh human philosophical show. Hmm. Little 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 edgy at times, but uh yeah, Commander Adama.
1: All right, I like that. So yeah. so humanity had a home in a specific earthly place, and in that place there was no fragmentation, right? No inner fragmentation. So thinking about the philosophical uh uh, uh look at alienation, there was no alienation within uh, there's no social alienation. Things were right between Adam and Eve, or, 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 or among the social network there, and then, uh, and then there's no place alienation. The 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 ground and the human, the physical location. This was all uh, unfragmented, unified, and good. And there was also no fragmentation in in our relationship with God. Mm. And so, when the scriptures talk about the the fall of mankind, uh, one of the one of the things that happens there is they're actually they're driven out of their place and then there's this boundary put up so that they can't get back into the place mm. and then that's it there's they're they're out in the they've gone from the garden to the wilderness and they've lost their home paradise lost that's right and so paradise was lost and and then so then there's this thing that every generation since then has has felt which is a longing to be home a longing to be back uh, into in the place where we belong in in the place where there's no fragmentation, uh, the the memory of home compels humans to create a place wherever we are. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the the earth itself was subjected to the curse of sin. You know, the the Bible story. It's not just that humanity was separated from God. Uh, Mm -hmm. Our place was cursed. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Romans 8 talks about how the earth itself, the creation itself is groaning with eager expectation, was subjected to the curse but not willingly. So there's this sense in which our place didn't rebel, we rebelled, but our rebellion brought a curse on our place. And so now you've got this, uh, this is why the earth, just like people and just like relationships, can be both beautiful, good, and true, and... Tumultuous, cold, harsh, <laughs> terrible. It's why we have warm, welcoming hearths and deadly, destructive forest fires. Yeah, yeah. that's why we have rainbows and hurricanes, sunsets and skin cancer, uh, warm breezes and tornadoes. That that, that there's this uh, disconnect, this alienation. Even even our place has been subjected to. Now, uh, th- this is where when we think about the Advent season, giving hope. There's some hope that happens with. In in Isaiah in his prophecies he prophesies this is this would be somewhere in the ballpark of seven hundred years before before Jesus before Jesus was born uh, that this prophecy of uh, the virgin birth in Isaiah seven is is connected to uh, where he says they'll call him Emmanuel which means God with us and this is really unique right like the, the Christians read you, you know more about world r- religions than I do. So speak to the uniqueness of this, the uniqueness of yeah, God coming into I, our place.
0: One of the things about human beings in general is that uh, wherever we look throughout history, even even today in some of the more secularizing places, human beings have been very r- religious, right? We uh, tend to invent deities. We uh, try to worship things, typically the things that are most glorious in creation, the sun, the moon, the heavenly bodies, harvest, sexuality, uh, these things get worshipped and sometimes named and created in, into deities. Uh, in other philosophical traditions, I have mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, this idea of goodness or truth or beauty was out there beyond the world even, yeah. uh, and sometimes deified, depending on which philosopher you're, you're reading. Certainly Plato, the ancient Greek philosopher, deified it. Aristotle located it much more in creation, But the idea that the God, right, and then even personal uh, religions like Islam that have a, a, a that is a theistic faith, right, Abrahamic theistic faith, God is very distant and he has all these names and attributes that can be known, but the idea that God would come so near. Uh, to become a human being is very unique. Now, there are certainly humanized gods. Yeah. Uh, Egyptian savior gods, Osiris. There's all sorts of things where uh, gods on the earth, uh, even like uh, the emperor of Japan was deified, even in the 20th century in in this kind of way. But this is different in in the sense that what we mean, in, in every sense of the robust philosophical and theological concept of the creator, judge of the world, actually became one of us, with us, um, is the type of presence that's very different yeah. uh, than other other religious uh, articulations.
1: That's good, yeah. So the, in that idea of presence with us is exactly what the Scriptures get at here, that, uh, it, that, that God remains transcendent. He doesn't lose his transcendence, his otherness, aboveness, when he comes and in, in, in is imminent with us. You know, he... He alone can maintain both the transcendence of yeah. the judge of everything the creator god the one who sustains all and rules all and God with us.
0: Yeah, it's it's the combination of those two things that is shocking. Yeah, in the in the Christian uh, uh, truth and theology, I was talking to a Muslim friend years ago. I was in Eastern Europe at an Olympic training center working out and talking to a guy from the UAE who was a, a track guy, Muslim, but a different guy. He was drinking and smoking and stuff, so he wasn't like hardcore. Like you know, he was in Europe; he was being more European, I think. Uh, but one of the things that he really struggled with was the transcendent God becoming so near to yeah. be to be like us in that way it was just repugnant to him. He's like, God can't take a piss. I'm like, well, Jesus, yeah, that's that's how near that's right. he, he came to us to combine these two things um and then do that in our kitchen uh, or in right. our living room. Uh, in our houses, which is really um, his house, and as we learn from yeah, creation,
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking that that God would come into our place, and not just into our place and be born in a palace somewhere, but born in some you know dingy cave or house or 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 wherever in Bethlehem, uh, and then grow up in some. Kind of backwoods, uh,
0: small town of Nazareth. You, you, this is where you usually make Radford jokes. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, whenever I, uh, you, 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 you <laughs> I've know, heard you uh, in the past. Eh? Like, <laughs> like a place like Radford. Can anything good come of Radford? <laughs> yeah, uh, of yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Of course, because mm. God came in the flesh and lived in a place like Nazareth, which. Uh, which was such a, you know, kind of backwoods place that yeah. Nathaniel, the story goes, when he hears about Jesus is from Nazareth, says... There were no hipster coffee shops there. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Uh, yeah, there were no hipster co- coffee shops. <laughs> um, although we have ours in Radford, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Radford oh, yeah. Coffee Company, shout out. Um, <laughs> so so he came... and now, now, one of the interesting things about the coming of God, I- as far as the Advent season goes, is that... Another unique thing about this story is that God doesn't just send a messenger, and He doesn't just deliver gold tablets into a secret, you know, place in upstate New York, or you know, He He doesn't just like write the message on the clouds of like here's how you can get right with me. Um, he 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 brings the kingdom in the person of the Son jesus and so so that, as Jesus walked on the earth, the very earth that uh is made of the same carbon materials as it was the thousands of years before, and we are uh he embodies the he embodies home for us, he embodies the yeah. kingdom, which is other but it, it's also he he's embodying our home so that as we encounter him, we see this is this is home, this is what I'm longing for
0: it's almost like um in the beginning we had the right people Um, we were created male and female together with the right person, God himself in a place. And that whole arrangement just got jacked up and trashed. Yep. Uh, And now we long for it. And we really need in the sense, God is coming to his home, um, even making this home with us in us. uh, And even the human story uh, becoming a perfected human being and, and showing us, right? Yeah. Because if you have the gold tablets, you need seer stones. It just gets complicated. Uh, but if you have a person, <laughs> yeah, you can see uh, the deity in flesh. That's right.
1: Yeah. And, and as, as the, as God came into our world uh, in the person of Jesus, he then, he then went into the, he went to the cross. He went into the ground again. Consider this, you know, the, the The man goes back into the earth uh in 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 some ways reclaiming even the the ground itself and then rises from the grave and as he ascends into heaven hes he send two things happens he sends his spirit so that not not no longer will God just be with us God will be in us and then he 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 says that he will build us together as a family into a temple which was in the old testament this uh this picture of the dwelling place of God mm-hmm. so that god's when his glory fills a temple, it's like his presence is there mm-hmm. with them. And so, so what happens is he leaves, but he doesn't just leave. He he gives himself to us in a more close way, so that he's he's now at home within us. And yeah. this this inner alienation that we experience, the homelessness within within us, uh, is filled with the Spirit, and 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 he begins the project now of making a home in us that he'll finish in the end when we're when we're completely at home in him. Now some implications for this is we as we think about this holiday season. Uh so I'm going to I'm going to list off three and these are these are real kind of uh alliter- alliterative um because I just <laughs> preached them. So uh so uh be at home, be homesick and be hospitable. So be at let me start with be at home. Okay. Uh be at home. So this is what I mean by this. Um you know home, home
0: is where the heart is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in in a sense, yes, yeah. that that uh but but rather than just look for a better place, and, and th- yeah, rather than just look for a better place, when God came into our place, He does kind of reenchant this world, uh, right? This world isn't just going to burn up in the end. Uh, well, so let me put it this way: uh, I grew up thinking that the story of the Bible was God makes the earth, God puts us in the earth, we blow it, He's going to destroy the earth, we're going to die, and then we're going to go to heaven.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but the story of the Bible really starts with we've lost paradise, we've lost our place with Him, we've lost our relationship with Him and our home, and it just all goes kind of haywire. And there's fragmentation and alienation, and then God comes into the place uh, in the person of Jesus, and He begins a project that He will come that will that will be finished in the end. Now it will be finished. There will be a uh, a fire, you know, that the scriptures talk about, but but that fire isn't a fire that does away with. It doesn't completely uh, uh, destroy, but it refines so that in the end, the picture is actually we regain the, the tree of life in the garden. Only it's not a garden; it's the city. You know, now we've got this picture in Revelation where where God's place in heaven and our place on earth
0: are reunited, right? And the fires purify. That's right. Rather than just blow it all up, yeah.
1: You know? So we're not just hanging on, waiting to, uh, you know, you know bunk hunkering down in our in our bunkers and waiting for the end with our um you know prepper materials uh we're we're actually we can actually be at home right where we are there's a story in Jeremiah 29 where Israel has been exiled i think this is is perfect for where we are as uh, as Christians in the world today uh, israel's been exiled they've been exiled in part because of their own sin uh, the Babylonians have taken them and and they 've just kind of scattered them and they 're scattered all around and now they 're exiles in in a in a nation that is not their own nation and uh they 're looking they 're basically trying to figure out when are we going home like this right, is this right. is not right this there's we 're not home yeah, and uh take and, me
0: back to Jerusalem,
1: yeah, when and. can we go back to Jerusalem and all of these prophets come and they say don't unpack. You're going to go home soon. But they weren't from God, but Jeremiah was. And so Jer- Jeremiah comes to them in Jeremiah 29 and uh, and basically says, you need to just go ahead and plant gardens, uh, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you, this is God speaking, into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare or in its flourishing, you'll find your flourishing. Now, the picture there is you're you're still going to go home. It's just not going to be as quick as you think, right? And so, in the meantime, you can actually plant gardens, and you can make a home here. You can that make has a home here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can make a home here that has purpose. And um, and so we can be, you know, we we can be at home in this world um, to a certain extent because God has made His home in this world with us. Uh, so, Wendell Berry, one of one of my literary. Uh, uh heroes is not the right word. Someone I love to read. Yeah. Uh says this. A man must be judged by how willingly and fully he can be present where he is and by how fully he can make himself at home in his part of the world. And I think he's I think he's on to something. That there's there's a sense in which and I think presence is the right way to think of that. Uh, that can we be present where we are? Because because God in his sovereignty has placed us, uh I think being at home is is connected to uh, faith. Do we have faith that God and His sovereignty has put us where we are
0: to, to build cultures, build families, build um, entrepreneurial business, build things yeah. together where we are for good? That's and right, the glory of God. Yeah, it's
1: hard to love your neighbor if you don't have neighbors. If you're <laughs> not at home somewhere.
0: <laughs> Right. And my so, wife does such a good job with that too. She's amazing at being present in a neighborhood and loving people. You know, GK Chesterton said that you should love both your neighbors and God also called us to love our neighbors and our enemies. He goes, Usually comes to the same yeah, that's people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Um And and this is this has implications
1: for being thankful for wherever you are, even if yeah. where you are isn't a uh, maybe the the most uh, amazing place. Yeah, if
0: you feel stuck in the world a little bit, if you don't, you know, uh, I love the song by a uh, um, oh, hip hop guy years ago, Flame. I think uh, he said he play he placed me right here. Yeah, and he's kind of reflecting on Act 17, where he's like, "Hey, I'm up in these projects, but yet God had a purpose for him there." And uh, not that we shouldn't change our circumstances or work for better places. I think that's part of this. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, realizing there's a purpose and reality we can live out for God anywhere.
1: That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Flannery O'Connor, just before she died, uh, she and really, she for 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 went she she went without going to New York City and, and really increasing her fame and her. This is a, a you know, mid 20th century Catholic Southern author, Flannery O'Connor. And in some ways, because she got sick, uh, she got, she basically just stayed in Georgia. Uh, and she was giving a lecture on, uh, on, uh, Catholic authors. And, and really what she was saying is, is that there's, there's a virtue in place. A lot of, if you read, if you read her short stories or her novels, they're all set in the same place. They're all set in the South in the, in the early to mid 20th century in a very, um, fundamentalist religious culture. They're all set there, and and what she says in there in, in that lecture is, somewhere is better than anywhere, and uh, and that's kind of a provocative statement, but yeah. I, but it's yeah. true. Somewhere yeah. is better. So in other words, even yeah. if where you are isn't where you want to be, uh, yeah. where you are is better than anywhere in the sense of it's better to have a home to have a place than to be unplaced. Yeah, it's not
0: randomized. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's particularized. That's yeah. right. That's good. So uh,
1: be at home. The second thing is be uh, be homesick. Uh, this is connected to hope. Uh, this is connected to uh, you know Philippians three twenty, which says our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we're in this in, in this place, you know, even if you think about that Jeremiah situation where the Israelites are are in Babylon, uh, there's a sense in which their eyes are always scanning the horizon, looking for. Uh, for the return, are we going to are we going to get to go home? And so I think as Christians in the world, we can both be at home in the world uh, and be homesick. Yeah. And and really, part of our task living in our place is keeping these, uh, holding on to both of
0: these intention.
1: Yeah. Because if we if we if we're so homesick that we uh, that we lose the, our placiness, uh, then we look for all kinds of things to fill fill this deep longing we have that they just can't do it. Right. Right. Like you mentioned Chip and Joanna Gaines, uh, you know, (laughs) no amount of shiplap on your walls can ever make your home so fully home that you're not still longing for something more.
0: Yeah, first time I heard that term, ship lap, I thought it was actually associated with like a boat or something, but it's like just old underneath wall stuff, right? That's right. So, yeah. You know, so yeah. Like ignorant yeah.
1: Of yeah, such uh, wood on the walls, you know. Yeah. You, yeah. You make it real homey and really, yeah. and and that's great. And but but you 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 go to bed at night that night when it's all finished and there's something still missing. Yeah. And we all have had this experience where where uh this is what CS Lewis calls uh joy where he says really joy is more connected to longing. And uh, and I think that's the same thing with this idea of homesickness. Is even when we have home, there's there's this deep thing in us that goes. This this is still just
0: just the taste of what it's a foretaste. It's, it's just a complete reality, yeah. but yet it's valuable, right? That's the, right. The, the thing is not in the music or the food or our Christmas peanut butter, yeah. chocolate things, but it, these things are foretaste and hints to a, a greater reality coming. That's right.
1: Yeah. That, and then finally, so be homesick. And this is connected to the Christian virtue uh, or gift of hope. So we've got faith is, is that we're at home. We, we can be at home because we trust that God yeah. is sovereign. And, and we and, can have hope here, even in a
0: world of chaos and, and brokenness. That's right.
1: That's right. And then finally, uh, and this is, this is connected with a love, uh, we can be hospitable. There's this great story in Genesis 18 where Abraham is, he's he has left his home to uh, go where God's called him, and as yeah. he's on his way, he's a sojourner, just kind of traveling around. He's got a tent, uh, and and this is something that... In, he's camping. He's, he's camping. Got his, yeah, he's got his iPhone plugged got up got his to phone, his power charger, bank. His, his uh, battery pack. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 11 lifts him up as a as a symbol of, like, this is a good thing. He left home... Uh, He was seeking a city that has foundation. He was seeking his homeland.
0: Yeah, whose architect and builder is God. God,
1: yeah. And as he's on his way, there's this story where the three men come, and they're walking by, and he's standing outside looking around, and he sees them, and uh, and he, he hurries to them. He bows low to them, he begs them don't pass by. Let me bring water to wash your feet, let me bring you food to eat. Let's you can sit under the shade of this tree. This is my tree, but it's only my tree for a little while, but while I'm here this is my tree and you can sit under this tree. And uh and really what's happening is even as he doesn't have this t- this permanent home place where he is, even as he's traveling with his eyes kind of looking up for where God where God's leading him, the home God has for him he's still hospitable he's still showing love and the and the scriptures lift this up as this is this is really the picture of what it's like for us now uh we are we are now strangers and exiles in the world according to hebrews and, and yet we can be gen, we can be generous with our love to others we can be hospitable to others uh i say this often that jesus was the most hospitable person yeah. to ever walked the planet and yet he he did so Homeless. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, he's yeah. he's 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 throwing a party in Zacchaeus' house. Yeah. And Zacchaeus, for the first time, has friends. And so Zacchaeus is, like, all about it.
0: There's there's a book by Tim Chester, a brother out of England, called A Meal with Jesus, which is kind of funny that you mentioned that, because he, it, it, it's a study of all the times Jesus ate with people. Yeah. This intimate act of table fellowship uh, in the New Testament. But Jesus didn't have a, you know, he's not at his crib. He's, like, finding meals at everybody's house.
1: He, yeah. He's, he's healing. Peter's, yeah. <laughs> Peter's uh, mother-in-law, yeah. and then and then Peter's mother-in-law makes the meal. Can you I get some of that
0: green bean casserole? Yeah, um,
1: yeah. So we can be hospitable. and When we're hospitable, we we're present with other people. Uh, we can make a place for them, even if it's just for a night, right? When you have someone over, or when you're over with someone, or you run into someone, if when you're really truly present with them, when you put your phone away, uh, when you're when you when you make eye contact, when you ask them how yeah. they're doing, you're practicing hospitality. And what you're doing is you're. You're walking in the same way that God walked when He came to Earth, and He was yeah. present with us, and is present with us now. Uh, when we do this, we also uh, this is, I think, what what Peter's talking about when Peter's saying when people ask you about the hope that you have, uh, yeah. that that's connected to hospitality with being the kind of person who's uh, who's engaging and present with other people and loving them uh, without without um, without choking them out with anxiety to try to gain their meaning and their and, and fill their longing for home with this person. Uh, then people wonder what's going on with that, and, yeah. and so yeah, uh, so we so we can be hospitable with people. Yeah, now yeah, go ahead.
0: So so in terms of you know these these three uh, things that here you have for us at the end: be at home, be homesick, be hospitable. Uh, because we know the Lord, we can be home anywhere and create a sense of place together. Yet we don't camp down too much yeah. because this is not the ultimate; it's just a foretaste. And then being hospitable. Um, it would it be fair for me to say that we get to invite others into that journey uh, to the place whose architect and builder is God. is God. I think that's right. Yeah, we bring and embody the, yeah.
1: the the home place, a home away from home, Yeah, that hopefully we can then turn and, and say, do, do you see the homeland?
0: It kind of gets back to our political discussion, too. It's like, hey, ultimately, yeah, you and I are Americans. We're Virginians. Uh, but ultimately, we belong to another realm. And we have to have our allegiances there. Otherwise, we'll be pointing them to kind of a a way station rather than uh, the ultimate reality to be unleashed in the full beauty and glory of the kingdom of heaven. That's right. That's
1: right. You know, um, let me ask you one question here, Reed, in closing. Uh, You often have some really great uh, practices. What are some practices you have that help you you and your family be at home?
0: You know, I think... um, my wife has been very gifted uh in this area and that she helps us travel well together um and both in our neighborhood i mentioned that earlier but she's she's constantly uh, having other people's kids with us and our kids with other people and we try to um we do a lot of sports i think we did a whole youth sports culture episode where i made confessions of my uh, life um But, yeah, we we tend to see that as part of our calling in the world to do that along with others. Um, We're not probably, like, the coolest decorators. I mean, we got a bunch of old IKEA trash furniture. Um, But my wife, she changes the seasons. She marks uh, things for our children. Um, She loves well uh, in kind of helping us be together. It's, It's a welcoming Uh, that happened cyclically day after day. Even today, I walked home, I walked in my house, and all my kids' soccer bags for their weekend stuff were packed by my wife in a row. I'm like, they packed their own bags. Um, But she's showing this kind of, hey, you belong, you're cared for, and, we, and we're we going out to do something together. So that's kind of a cu- culture that we have as a home. Certainly the scriptures have been part of our family. We do prayers in the morning. We kind of sing silly songs together. Um, we try to do devotions as a family. We've been very regular at that for 17 years um, that mark us by the word uh, together as we travel. I, I'll link in the show notes. There's a whole document on family worship that I've written. It's basically just recording a bunch of practices our family did based on uh, the calling of God and the scripture. Um, but the, here's a weird thing. Um, I think staying homesick is is really important as well. Otherwise, you know, we can get too comfortable yeah. in this world. Yeah. You know, we too too in, in, engulfed in our neighborhoods or our restaurants or our houses or our basketball courts or whatever uh, we might be doing here on the earth and forget uh, about the eternal realities. And um, I was thinking about that a little bit today about what what helps me to be homesick. And I hope this is not morbid, uh, but the very reality of death um, has marked our family in a significant yeah. way to remind us uh, that we're not meant for this temporal, uh, death-bound reality, but life uh, is where we belong. My, my, my middle daughter, Kyleen, had two of her really good friends in New Jersey whose fathers passed away in succession pretty close to one another. And I remember it shaking Kylene tremendously and her just being sad. There's a new emoji actually in, in, in iOS 12 that has these eyes that look like they're filled up with water instead of tears coming mm-hmm. out of them. And that's kind of how Kylene cries. She, yeah. she holds it, uh, but it's deep. Um, and watching her hurt for her friends, hurt for these realities where daddies are dying um, and her trying to make sense of it all um, and, and how we really sought to cling to God and his promises of resurrection and eternity with him in the kingdom, uh, really reminded me this. You know, as long as death is here, we'll never camp down. As much as Americans, we try to move death out of sight. We try to get suffering is as, as much as we never have to do it ever again. I do think suffering itself and death itself is a is a is a reminder, a different kind of forte because not one that we like. It's kind of like it's this ache that allows us to say, oh, God, would you bring the the perfection? Would you bring the heavenly? Would you bring paradise back? Would you bring yourself back to our place with these people uh, so that we would be complete and home again?
1: That's good. Yeah. You know, um, This death is not something that we, we plan for, but it comes and, and when it does, it is such an opportunity, our grief to point us uh, to our true home, you know, to make us homesick. Matter of fact, there's a, we did that episode with Reese, I think it's episode 16 on lament and lament is a practice of homesickness. Yeah. Um, you know, so as we close here, um, we talk often about how we're, we're, we exist in the borderlands between uh, the church and culture, this kind of overlapping borderland and and really what what uh what the incarnation the coming of God into our place reminds us is that we also live in the borderlands uh, between the now and the not yet in our between our home and our final home our, though we
0: live in the valley of the shadow of death
1: that 's right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah we but at the end, we end up at the table with Jesus as the host and And so there's some hope there, you know, and you don't have to go to Karl Marx or Kierkegaard. (laughs) As a matter of fact, Augustine and his Confessions is in a lot of ways the story of losing home. There's the famous beginning, uh, uh, thou hast made us for thyself, and we uh, we are restless until we find our rest in thee. But really, it comes around in the end to him saying, listen, I looked for you everywhere, and you were with me all along, and... And uh, late have I found the my love and and there's this sense in which uh in the end he's he's placed again in the presence of God, and so there are plenty of places to look for in the Christian tradition and especially in the scriptures to see what it's like for us to live as as sojourners with our true home in the yeah. horizon
0: the um tim chester i 'm going to quote this book to close. Uh, talking about Jesus and why he came. And uh, he says this, there are three ways the New Testament completes this sentence. The son of man came. Why did Jesus come? He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. he also says the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then finally, the son of man came eating and drinking in place. The first two are purpose statements. Why did Jesus come? He came to serve, to give his life as a ransom and to seek and to save. We could even say bring home the lost. And the third is a statement of method. How did he come? Mm. He came eating and drinking in people's homes in a place, even for the holidays.
1: That's so good. That's so good. Thank you for listening. Listen, this was a this was a joy to be here in this place. Yes. In the global <laughs> shed quarters of the power of change. Uh, hey, thank you for listening Listening in. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable, uh, nay, even encouraged. That's right. Uh, the in go- this place, we like some five that's stars. That's right. Yeah, The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Send your comments, feedback, and or questions you might want us to take up here on The Underground to info at org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture, and we hope to see you there. Peace.
0: Eat your mama's food.
1: Look, Daddy. Teacher says, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's
0: right.